Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. So how many of you are scholars on the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament? There's a lot of hands that went up, okay? Saw some of those online. Um, it's one of those books that you start, you know, I'll put it to how I've been in the past. So January 1st comes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the Bible in one year, right? I'm going to start in Genesis. Some of you are probably like, you yeah, know, I know where he's going with this. I get through Genesis and Exodus, and I hit Leviticus. I'm like, I think next year is the best year to start this one-year reading plan. Uh, I've read it many times, but it, it is complicated, uh, and it has nothing to do with our current series, because what we're talking about now is complicated. There's a lot of things that maybe don't make sense, but there are some powerful messages, incredible life application. And so typically in the summer, we try to tackle something a little heavier. Um, and uh, last year we did Revelation, if you remember. And so this year, we're going to dive into Leviticus. And there's a lot about holiness. There's a lot about who God is and God revealing himself to his people. So that's going to start in two weeks. We have the family, of course, from Ukraine next week. Then we're going to do a five-week series on the book of Leviticus called Unlocking the Code. Uh, so invite people to that. We'll have some invite cards as you leave today. Be praying about who, who might be. You might think, well, who in the world's going to show up for a Leviticus? You'd be surprised how God works, and you're going to be really surprised of the life application that comes out from this, this series that we're going to go through. Well, today's our last week of the series called It's Complicated. This has been a series on marriage and family and relationships, uh, and today I'm going to tackle what does it mean to be a spiritual parent? Now, before some of you already get on your phone for your favorite app because you're single or because you don't have kids yet or whatever, or you're a grandparent, hold on. Don't go there. This is going to be for everyone, whether you don't have children yet, whether you're not sure if you're ever going to have children, uh, whether you've already got them out of the home and you're so thrilled, um, maybe some of you want to get them out of the home sooner, I get that, right? Um, Grandparents, parents, stage of life. I remember, you know, being, um, I didn't get married until I was 34, okay? So that was, what, two years ago? No, uh, a few more than that. Um, And uh, I remember being in church and doing sermon series on marriage and then on parenting and and I would, I'll be honest, a couple of times I blew it off. I just I'd go like, and God convicted me of that and said, well, someday someone might be dumb enough to say yes if you propose, okay? Uh, caught you in a moment of weakness. So, um, and, uh, and even if you don't get married, even if you never have children, uh, you're to make a difference. You, you're going to have neighbors. You're going to have different people you collide with. Uh, and so he convicted me on that. And so 
my hope today, and I designed it this way, that this is applicable to all of us, no matter what our stage of life is. Uh, those of us who are parents or we've been parents or we're grandparents, we know that parenting is not the easiest thing, is it? It is truly complicated. I think when it comes to spiritual parenting and how do, how do we do this, I think we feel lost so many times. We feel inadequate. We feel like, man, I'm just trying to get my own life figured out. I'm trying not to mess my kids up by my own decisions. I'm not even sure how to answer all their questions. I'm not a Bible scholar. And we go on and on with that. But I, I, I've reached a point in my life where I believe that after being a husband, being a dad is the second most important responsibility I have. In fact, no one else can be a, wife, a husband to my wife and no one else can be a parent to my two children. Billy was coming home one day from uh, church. In fact, his little baby brother had been dedicated that day. And on the ride back home, the entire time, little five-year-old Billy is wailing, just crying, and he's sobbing. And three times his dad asked him, Billy, what's wrong? Billy, what's wrong? He's just so beside himself, so beside him. And finally, on the fourth time of saying, Billy, what's wrong? Between his sobs, he said today, Today, the pastor said that he wants us raised in a Christian home, and I want to stay with you guys. You missed those, didn't you, last few weeks? I've been out a few weeks. I told you I was working on them while I was laying in bed, getting better. But I think there's also some ouch to that, too, right? (laughs) Maybe, like, yeah, that was funny maybe, but that got a little close to home. Like, Because um, we do, right? We feel like, man, I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure how to do this. And then we, we know we can come and smile and look all nice and that. We, can, we always put beautiful pictures out there on social media of how our family is. I mean, we never argue. We, we're always on the same page. We smile apparently all the time. We never have any struggles, right? And we get into this that's an old other sermon for another day of this comparison trap thing, right? Like, how come my life's not as great as theirs? Well, their life isn't that great, right? I mean, it's not perfect, right? And so, um, and I think when it comes to parenting, when it comes to the, the faith side of parenting and spiritual parenting, we can kind of fall into maybe four different camps. The first one being, I, I don't really care. Spirituality is not a big deal. Faith is really not a big deal deal in our family, so it's not something we do. Someone else can do it, I suppose. Other, you know, second camp might be, well, it's, you know, it, it has value. It's, it's another thing in our lives that we, we do. Uh, third camp could be, you know, it is one of the major rocks in our family. We have four or five or six major rocks, and, but faith is one of those major rocks or major stones. Or potentially it falls into this fourth category that our hope and prayer is today, that it is the major rock that it is the number one thing. It is the number one focus. Because I'm guessing that you as parents, you as grandparents, you as having, you know, potentially having children in the future or as a niece or a nephew or, excuse me, as an aunt or an uncle, uh, you, you want the best for your kids, don't you? You want the best for your grandkids. You want the best for even your future children. You want them to marry someone who's not a knucklehead, right? You, you want them not only that, you want them to have an incredible marriage. You want them to be married 50, 60 years, You want them to have phenomenal jobs, jobs that they love, something that they're passionate about. You want the best. I mean, right? I want a lot more for my kids than I have. I want them to not go through, make some of the same mistakes I did. I want them to thrive. I want them to be successful. I want them to just every day wake up and love what they're doing. But you know, the most important thing, actually the only thing, 
if all those other things if, you know, don't work out quite well, but if they follow Jesus, I've come to that point as I'm praying for them, as we're discipling them, I just want them to love Jesus. I want them to love Jesus so much that whatever he asks them to do, that they do. I want them to love Jesus so much that that's the rock that they're going to put in their family. The only rock that's going to matter when it's all said and done. I want them to love Jesus so much that when they see people hurting and when they see things, people being oppressed, and when they see brokenness and when they see things falling apart, that they run to that. That they rally other people to help fix those things. I was telling the group I was praying with this morning, I'm pretty sure if I'm laying on my deathbed, whenever that is, and if that happens, I can die a very happy guy. But it's not easy, is it? There's so many things pulling for their attention. There's so many. I mean, I've been out of high school 20-some years now, and I can't imagine the things that kids deal with now, even in middle school, weren't even on my radar in high school. Right? It weren't even on our radar maybe five years ago. And I think a lot of us as parents, we're scared, right? We're fearful. We're nervous. We don't know what to do. In some cases, because it's gotten like that, we just kind of like give up. We're like, well, I think it's a losing battle. Let me give you hope today. It's not. It's not a losing battle. In fact, we can be victorious of helping point our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, the neighbor kid, to know Jesus. We're going to look at Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy. So I figured one of us, if we're going to do Leviticus, we might as well hang around it. Now, this is just a great passage what we're talking about today. I'm going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to tackle a handful of passages here. We're going to start in chapter, in, in chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And you'll see them on the screen if you have your Bibles on your phones. You can pull those up or if you brought them with you. Verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel, the God the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Before we move on, this is, by the way, a passage that even the, the Jewish people of the day, not Messianic Jews who believe in the Messiah, but Jews who are still waiting on Messiah, this is the passage they use. Because they always say the Lord is one. That way, if he's one, we can't have the Trinity. But if we know, if you know how the, the um, Hebrew works here, it actually is talking about the unity of the Trinity. So that's just a quick aside if you like that kind of stuff. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, this passage, just the beginning, the word here is where they, they get the word Shema. Okay? This was repeated in the morning. It's still, if you go into a Jewish home that is, that is really you know, still in love with the scriptures, they're going to repeat this passage and a little bit more that I read in a second every morning and every night. This was... The thing, they'll chant, they'll just repeat it. Hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel. Now, this is Moses speaking. They had just got in the promised land. There's a new frontier. There's a new future. It's a future that we know how it ends. They didn't. And so they're going into this new journey. They're scared. They're fearful. They're nervous. They're uncertain of how things are going to go. And interestingly enough, one of the first things Moses tells them to do is pass some things on to their children. Love the Lord. How are we supposed to honor this God, the one God, the one triune God. How are we supposed to do it? He says, love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. And with all your soul. And with all your strength. In fact, strength, we sometimes, what, what, I just got to bench press more or whatever, you know. Actually, that best translates into action. In other words, we show his love by how we help those who are hurting, believe it or not. 
Okay? So this is how we're supposed to love him. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. You, you know, there's, there's so many different things that we can love, aren't there? There are so many different things that can get our allegiance. There's so many different things that can get priority in our life, you know? academics and sports and our jobs and extracurriculars and music and art and all these kind of things. And they can take precedence. They can take priority. They can be what we focus on. But yet he says right here, he says, love God, number one. And in case you didn't understand what it means to love God or how much we should love God. He goes into detail. God provides detail to Moses who writes this down. You need to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your, some, some translations say with all your soul. In other words, it's saying you got to love him with every fabric of your being. Now, you got to remember, contextually, these people were in a culture where there were thousands upon thousands of gods. There, was all, there were all kinds of things pulling for their attention. There were all kinds of things in other gods and other things they could put their allegiance to. And sometimes we think, well, man, that's like, we're not, I'm not a polytheistic, so I don't have all these different, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm Hindu or Muslim or, or whatever the case might be. I, I know there is one God, and I believe that there's a trinity, so I, I, I'm good. Yes, like, well, let me just ask you this question. Are there other things in your life or in your family's life that you can elevate to God or idol status? Are there other things in our lives that can start taking priority before we know it over God? I think it's easy, right? I mean, it doesn't take too long that our jobs can take priority or our bank accounts can take priority or making sure our kids are on every travel team because they're going to get you know, full ride to Ohio State, you know, in five different sports. They're, it's going to be amazing. That's sarcasm, sorry. You missed that too, I'm sure. Right? I mean, we, we, we can put all these things, and there's nothing bad with those, by the way. I want you to hear that. There's nothing bad with competing. I love to compete. There's nothing bad with having a job. That's a good thing. There's nothing bad with having ambition. There's nothing bad with having these desires for your kids to be the best. Of course you do. Any good parent wants that. But have they ever taken place over loving God? That that's the thing your kids see in you. They say, man, dad just loves Jesus. Man, like he puts these over these, this priority over other things. You've heard me say it before. If you knew, you wouldn't have. I, I don't remember a lot of sermons growing up in church. It's always humbling because that's what I do for a living. Sad. Okay. I don't think it was because they were poor sermons. I think I was just a very bad listener, okay? But one of the things I remember is this. I remember many times, especially in this time of the month, in, in this time of the year, in the summer, taking my baseball uniform to church, notice, to church, we would be at church, and then I would go change in this dark, bath, damp bathroom in the basement. It was just vivid things you remember. But I remember many times changing into my baseball uniform Going to the field for the one o'clock game, getting there, sometimes eating the cheeseburger in the dugout while they're out there for the national anthem or whatever, and then going to play. I remember that. And I remember it because my parents decided at some point that there was going to be one rock in our family. And sports had importance. They still do in my life. 
And academics had importance. They still do. And all kinds of other things. But they were going to teach their boys to love God with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And it goes on in verse 7. It says this. I'm just going to stop with one word. It says two words. Impress them. Impress them. Impress what's them. Everything he just talked about. Loving God with everything and showing and teaching them the scripture. The word impress is actually an image of a, of a knife being sharpened on a whetstone. So when he's saying impress them, just sharpen, continue, continue to stay at this, continue. This is very important. What I'm going to tell you in just a moment, he's telling the people, and I'm telling you today, is so important. Don't miss this. He said, impress them on your children. How do we do that, you might ask? How do I do this? Well, he gives us the answer. He says, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk around the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, make it a conversation. One of the coolest things is having conversations about Jesus with my kids or hearing Dylan upstairs singing worship songs I'm not even in the house. I'm just walk, coming in the cul-de-sac because he sings really loud, okay? And seeing the heart, the heart for worship. And hearing Zalame, our, our six-year-old, asking questions. She was rattling something off the other day to me in the car about, well, God created the earth, and then he made the, um, the clouds, and then he made the ocean. And I'm like, yes, Right? Talk about them. I'm not saying that's the only thing you talk about. Talk, you can talk about a lot of things. But are you having conversations with your kids? Are you having conversations with your grandkids? Are you having conversations with your nieces and nephews? Are you having conversations with the neighborhood, neighbor kid who just keeps coming over and like, ugh, but he keeps coming over, right? About things that really matter. And are you modeling that in your life? And then he goes on and says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, this is pretty cool. This is pretty fascinating. I don't know if you ever heard of the uh, phylacteries, but phylacteries were, what they would do is they would take a little part of Scripture, actually this part of Scripture right here, the Shema, some other New Testament passages, they would take it, roll it in like a little scroll, and then they would have a thing that they would have that on their forehead. It would kind of be a band. Think of like uh, the old sweatbands, you know, you wear, you know, if you had you know, back in the day. They would have that on their forehead with the scripture there. They would also have something on their arms, like a little box on their arms with a parchment of scripture on there, usually on their left arm. Not totally sure why, but it was where they kept it. That's what he's talking about. Now, how odd would that be if that's our application day? Look under your seat. No, just kidding, right? Um, We're going to all leave with scripture. Uh, in fact, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the New Testament and some, some uh, times when Jesus calls out the Pharisees, he calls them out one time for um, having scriptures very visible and making a big, big show about scripture. They had taken this idea of phylacteries and made the box that went on the forehead like five times the size and also the one that went on their wrist five times the size to put on a show. Like, we know scripture, we're holier than now, and Jesus like, seriously, like, get it, give it a break. Like, you got a lot of issues inside to figure out. But that's what they would do. Scripture was so important. The Bible was so important. What God's Word had to say was so, so important that he said, you need to keep this with you. 
And then they would have on their door frame or on their doorpost or whatever, however their house was situated, but it would be right alongside their door as you, en- as you en- entered the home would be a, n- a box with more scripture and typically the Shema. And it would be there. Everywhere was a reminder of God's word. Everywhere was a reminder that God was present. Everywhere was a reminder that there's going to be one big rock in our family and it's going to be following after God. Now, I don't know what that looks like in the 21st century if you want to start wearing boxes on your head and arm, more power to you. But I think there's other ways we can do this, isn't there? There's other ways with technology. Maybe you put a three-by-five card on, on the... Um, on the mirror in the bathroom, maybe it's on your dashboard. I don't take it up with the police that they call you over for speeding. Well, sir, there was, it was over my odometer. Probably don't do that, um, or speedometer. Um, but I don't know what that looks like, but are we passing Scripture on to our children? Are we passing a love for Scripture on our children? Is it something that we just, it's visible. They see us doing it. In fact, growing up, um, growing up, I, I've, I've only seen my dad in my whole life. My dad's 71, 72. I've only seen him one, read one book in his life. <laughs> it's the Bible. My dad was a dairy farmer growing up. You know, I don't know. He just wasn't not a reader. But I'll tell you this. You want to talk about impressing on your children? And my dad's a man of few words. I told my wife the first time we met, she met him at a family gathering when we were you know, still dating. I said, just be, my dad doesn't talk a lot, so don't take it personal. I think he said five words that day, okay? Uh, that's just my dad. But he impressed that. My mom impressed that. My grandparents impressed that. I'm going to share you a story about that in just a moment. But the book, I remember seeing my dad. He would be sitting at the, at the dining room table, and he was, again, he grew up as a dairy farmer, so you wake up at like at 4 o'clock. That's just what you do, no alarms. Um, and he'd be sitting at the table, and I came down, Sometimes, you know, as a teenager, later in the morning, or he'd be at work, but I would see, even left on the table, his Bible open with his devotional book next to it. I would see my parents with the Bible. The Bibles were visible, and again, it wasn't a for show thing or anything like that, but it was very clear in our family. There were scripture passages. I remember walking up the stairs every single morning, and mom had crocheted or whatever that thing's called. At the top of the stairs, um, a, a passage from Isaiah. It was everywhere. I just, I, I would see it. It wasn't, to, again, to be flashy about it. It wasn't like just in my face or anything like that. It was just really clear what the big rock in our family was. When I was 13 years old, I, I, it was my 13th birthday, and my grandparents who lived in Florida half the year, and during that time of the year they would have been in Florida, had sent the, my birthday present to me. And so I, I, you know, the cake and you know, all that kind of stuff, and I got to their present, and it was, you know, a package like that. I'm thinking, okay, I'm, again, I'm 13. I'm like, it's not a baseball bat. I always want, you know, a baseball bat was a good gift, anything for me. Uh, so it's not shaped like a baseball. I'm like, it could be a glove. I have a glove. I was a huge card collector, enough baseball and basketball and football cards. I'm like, okay, this could be a sweet set, you know. I had all these things. And I open it up, and here's what was in it. This. 13 years old. In fact, it says at the front here, to Mark, on his 13th birthday, that was um, 10 years ago, uh, the date's in here, from Grammy and Grandpa. Now, I'm just going to be straight up. I'm 13 years old. I'm wanting the new top set. I'm wanting starting lineup figurines, things that some guys at my age might understand. This was definitely, definitely not in the top 100 
Now, I did what a good kid does when you're 13. I kept my mouth shut and smiled and thanked them over the phone for it. Internally, I'm thinking, what a ripoff. Are you kidding me? Like, like of all the things you could have gotten me for my birthday. And, you know, you're just like, you know, you're wallowing self-pity. This was in 1991, 30 years ago, okay? 30 years ago. Probably the best gift I've ever received. This this gift that I didn't want, that I was upset because that's what I got, has been in many places. It's been in, in Ohio. I've, I've lived in Michigan. I've been in South Carolina. It's been in college. It's been in high school. It's been during single times. It's been during married. It's before kids, with kids. It's been during really low times in my life. It's been during really euphoric and awesome times. It's been used to get all kinds of wisdom and all kinds of counsel. There's line, there's things underlined, there's things written in the margin. I was looking the other day, here's First Thessalonians, okay? Um, <laughs> First Thessalonians, I believe, has five chapters. This is missing a few bit of it, okay? And I don't know. This is a classic, the dog ate my homework, you know? Um, I mean, I'm just looking through, you know, I didn't even do this beforehand, but I'm seeing notes in here. I'm seeing different stages of life. I'm seeing different dates. I told you this is for grandparents today, too. Maybe that might not get you the brownie points this year. <laughs> but what a legacy. What a legacy. Talk about someone just being blessed. Of having people, family in their life, who said, you know what, he might not appreciate it right now, which I didn't, but man, I'm so thankful now. Because this, this has been a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. This has given me direction when I didn't know where to go or what to do. There's been times when I've opened this up and I've been reading it and I've encountered God, the living God. There's been times when Something I read, God reproofs me. He says, you need to repent of that. You need to change. There's been times just sitting in a chair with this God's word. Some of the sweetest memories I have in my life, just sitting in a chair in the morning. I wouldn't say there were any huge ahas, but it was just me and God. Because of two grandparents who said, we want to leave a legacy. Two grandparents who said, the most important gift we can give this kid is a love for God's word. And so I don't have a lot of, oh, here's your next steps. Here's the things you need to do. I am going to talk about an event we have coming up soon and why this event is so critical to be at. But I would say, if you want one thing as a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt or an uncle... What's the one thing you need to do to help them discover Jesus? It's to fall in love with God's word. It's to consume God's word. I firmly believe, and I don't mean this negatively or derogatory, but I believe a lot of the issues we face in our world, a lot of the confusion we have in this world, 
a lot of the hurt we have in this world, a lot of the brokenness we have in this world is because we don't know this. We don't know what this has to say. And I'm going to say that the church, I'm not, I'm, going to put, I'm not calling out the Valley Church, I'm just saying the Capital C Church, we got to know this. I think we're becoming more and more biblically illiterate, to be honest. I think we're too many times taking podcaster Z and blogger B and friend C and well-meaning person D and all the other, because there's a lot of voices, is there not, in our lives? Oh, my goodness, right? There's so many competing things. There's so many, and everyone's right, so, you know, everyone's right. So um, this is the truth. Don't ever forget it. Every single thing in life is answered in here. You're like, how in the world is that possible? It was written 2,000 plus years ago. Try me on it. Give it a shot. Because what might not be clear, the Holy Spirit will clear up for you if there's any uncertainty. That's what he is. He's the great, he, he's, he gives incredible direction, incredible guidance. It's God's presence and his power with us. We have to, as parents, if we are here today, if you're watching us online and you're saying that Jesus is the leader of my life, we have to consume this. We have to immerse ourselves in this. Get into, get into one of our journey groups, a one-on-one or a couple's thing to help understand it more. Because I understand there are some confusing things in here. Don't get me wrong. But that's why we do life groups. That's why we have things like the journey. That's why we have things like Alpha. We're going to be talking a lot about Alpha in the coming months. We're going to be relaunching that big time in September. There are answers to your questions. There is certainty in the midst of uncertainty. There is truth. We live, and I, told, I was telling Jess the other day, I said, we are in a postmodern world. We're not getting there. It's not leaking into middle America. We are in a postmodern world. Secularism, pluralism, in other words, that everything, anything can point to God. Relativism, all those fun isms, right? We have to know truth. If you want to become a spiritual parent, a spiritual grandparent, if you want to leave a legacy in your children, your grandchildren, if you want to be prepared to find the spouse that God's calling you to find, if you want to be prepared to be a parent, whether it's five years down the road or 10 years down the road, start studying this now. I remember one of the things when I was single and I was trying to, you know, I was in that stage where what's this matter to me? I was reading this one day and I probably even haven't marked in here, it was in Matthew 6.33. It said, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all those things will be added to you. And I remember, I, I'll lose my place or a couple more pages will fall out if I go there probably, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Matthew 6.13 and, or 6.33, and boom, there it is. Okay? I put the dates in there. That was when I was 31, and God told me, you want to be ready for what I give you in the future. You want to be ready for the spouse. You want to be ready for children. You need to seek after me. You need to seek after my role and reign in your heart. You need to seek after righteousness. You need to become the person for someone to marry. You need to start now becoming the person if it ever happens, but you need to become the person now for whatever I want to give you in the future. Don't wait until that happens. Don't wait until after that happens. You need to be ready now. All because one day I spent some time with God and his word Scripture tells us it's alive and active. It's so penetrating. It cuts into the deepest marrow. 
There's a lot, a lot of talk in this world now. Let's talk more about Jesus, less about the Bible. I talk about Jesus a lot. It's a good thing to talk about Jesus. But I don't buy into this teaching that we should just do away with the Bible because, oh, things have been done in this world using Scripture as a reference for evil things or for bad things. I can't own all that. All I can know is that 2 Timothy 3.16 tells me that all Scripture... All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and for instruction and for reproof so that people, and I'm paraphrasing the end of this, so that people know what they should do with their lives. So they know what it looks like to put God as the major rock in their family. One of the things I love about the Valley Church is our emphasis on the next generation. As we speak in here, as you're watching online right now, there are numerous kids on that other side Babies being prayed over, preschool kids learning different things about Scripture and about God, and he wants to be their forever friend. And today, those kids are over there saying their Bible verses. Now, I know some of you parents get nervous about this day because they go then pick from the candy cart, right, or they get some candy. I'm th- I was thinking about that. I was like, there's all kinds of worse things that my kids can get candy for than learning a Bible verse, right? We over there, the kids' leaders, the volunteers over there, they are inputting God's truth into your kids' hearts, into your grandkids' hearts, into your nieces and nephews. Every Sunday. Oh, they have a lot of fun. I mean, we hear them, right? They have a lot of fun over there. I'm telling you what, like so many of us, I think, grew up, said church is boring. Are you kidding me? Like, Jesus Christ. So they're going to have fun. We're going to have fun at this church. Your kids are going to have fun. Your teenagers are going to have fun. But in the midst of the craziness and some of the chaos sometimes, they are going to hear about Jesus They're going to learn Bible verses. They're going to immerse in that. You know, as parents, right, they come home with those things. They color, and they're so proud of. They have a Bible verse on there. One (coughs) One of the best things you can do is on that ride home each Sunday. So what did you learn today? Because you ask them two questions. Did you have fun, right? And what did you learn? Did you have fun, right? So that's why we're going to have fun. And what did you learn? And have those spiritual conversations. And as they get older, as they get to be teenagers, as much as you feel willing, start open sharing your story. And sometimes you've got to share some of the struggles, but share about how God's transformed your life. And if you're here today and you're not sure about Jesus and you're not sure about God, give him a chance. Just give him a chance. Start spending some time in his word. Go check out the book of James. Go take a Psalms or Proverbs. Go to the Gospel of John. That's where I always direct people. Psalms, Proverbs, James, or John. It's more straightforward, not Leviticus. Come back for that. We'll help on that one. And just start spending some time. I want to close with this. I want to close with an event we have coming up. It's called Make Waves. If you're not sure what Make Waves is, I'm going to give you clarity in just a few moments. Or in a, I'm going to do it right now, but in a very succinct amount of time. This is like vacation Bible school on steroids. Okay, So here's how it works. On Saturday night, July 9th, they're going to have, be at the Troy Aquatic Park. So it's going to kick off there. And here's the kicker. Here's what makes this different than probably a lot of other v- VBSs. We want parents, we want grandparents there. So you're going to come that night. No, we're not going to be preaching. I'm not going to get up on the lifeguard stand and quote you know, today's sermon. We're going to have fun. But you're going to be there. You're going to do life with your kids. You're going, to, you're going to, the people you invite, either you're going to be their surrogate parent, but I would really encourage you that their parents come to, no matter where they are in their faith journey. And then it's going to continue Sunday morning. So it's going, going into um, Sunday, July 10th, the next morning. 
they're going to have a huge focus in their kids' area on make waves. And that's, that's, they're going to be doing that curriculum. They're going to be learning things in Scripture. And then here's the kicker. That night, we're going to come back here. And there's going to be an event here that's not a drop-off. I'll cha- well, I can't run these days, but I'll have someone chase you down, okay? If you try to run. We, want, we designed this very different than probably most experiences where we want parents, we want grandparents here with them. And there's going to be some, some corporate time. But there's going to be stations all over this church. There's going to be a Bible verse station. There's going to be other fun stations. There's going to be other learning stations. And you're going to be there with them. I'm going to be. I'm showing up. I'm going to be sitting there with my kids. And I'm going to be going station to station. And we're going to be learning together. And we're going to be talking together. And I was telling a group that I was praying with this morning, I said, you know what? I love our vision for this. I love it. It fits with who we are as a church. We partner with parents. You as a parent or you as a grandparent or you as an aunt or you as an uncle are the primary, have the primary responsibility for putting your children in an environment where they can collide with Jesus Christ. But we as a church are going to partner with you. We're going to come alongside of you. And so maybe an event like this doesn't draw 500 people. I don't care. If there's 80 people who show up with their kid and with a parent or a grandparent and they walk with them and they walk with them and then they go back and they talk afterwards about the things that they heard. They talk afterwards about hearing about Jesus. They talk afterwards about decisions that they've made in their lives to follow after God. That's a win for me. That's a massive win. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to sign up for it if you're in town. There's a QR code out there. You can go to our website. You can go to our Facebook page and sign up for it. I am not super savvy on these form things. I got a text the other day because I'm a parent here at the Valley Church with a link to this CCB for our database system, a form. I was at the YMCA. I had just gotten to the Y, and I'm like, I just come here to fill out forms. Why? I'm the treadmill. You know, like, fill out a form or get on the treadmill. I'm like, fill out a form, okay? And so I'm like, I fill the form out. It took me a while to find our carrier because we have an odd, odd cell phone carrier. But I told, texted Jess afterwards, it took me, as unsavvy as I am, four minutes to fill it out. Fill out the form off the QR code, go to our website, go to Facebook, and then the last thing is this, invite someone. Who are you going to invite? What family are you going to invite? What mom, what dad, what grandma, what grandpa are you going to invite to come with them Saturday night, Sunday morning, and then Sunday night? Would you dream with me as we wrap up? Want to dream? What if? What if we became so consumed as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles, as single people with God's word that we just wanted more of him? We wanted to experience him more. We wanted to learn more. We wanted to devour more. We wanted it to change our life. And it's what was our guiding light. It's what's our compass. And we're so laser being focused. Could you imagine what would happen? Would you imagine what would happen in your life? Could you imagine the stories? And I would encourage you. I think it's fine to write in the Bible. Maybe some of you disagree. Okay. Put the date that he spoke something. Underline something that jumps out to you. Highlight something there. And story after story of adults and grandparents in this room with Bibles that are falling apart. And pages that are coming out. And story after story. Imagine if we, we spent time every day talking to our kids about Scripture. And sharing with them, if they're younger, we got to do it in a different way. But sharing with them about what God showed us today.
and learning the Bible verses together. I'll tell you what, the smartphone has hurt me on scripture memorization. Growing up, you had to memorize it, right? If you didn't have your Bible, you got to remember. But learning scripture together. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Think of your kid, think of your grandchild in 10 years, 15 years. But this is what drives their life. They love Jesus so much that they know him so well that they're choosing people to date, they're choosing people to marry who, marry who love Jesus too. That they love him so much that their heart's broken when they see people homeless and when they see that there's orphans and when they see that there's widows because that's what God tells them to do to take care of them. Would that not be awesome? I want to be a church that loves God's word. I want to be a church that passes on what God has to say to the next generation. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it can be hard sometimes in the midst of life, in the midst of craziness, to even feel like we have time to carve out to read your word. I pray that even this afternoon, if we're married, if we're single, if we're grandparents, if we're parents, but we would have conversation with someone or we would have a conversation with you about starting tomorrow, we're going to make immersing ourselves in your, in your word a priority. And we're not going to set these crazy goals that we're going to read three hours of the Bible every day, but we're just going to start with five minutes. We're going to start with one chapter. We're going to start maybe with two verses. And we're going to commit... We're going to commit today, we're going to declare today that your word is going to be the leader of our family. Your word is going to be the thing that gives us direction in life. That your word is going to be the thing that we hide in our hearts so that we don't sin against you. That your word is going to be a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. That your word is going to be the thing that we go to for direction and for guidance. That your word is going to be the thing that we look at, not what news tells us, not what anyone else, any social media influencers tell us, but what you tell us is how we're going to treat other people and it's where we're going to find our truth is when we're going to find our clarity. God, thank you for meeting us in this place. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, um, don't forget, next week, bring a friend. The Ukrainian family is going to be here. It's going to be a powerful time. If you need prayer today, there's going to be some people up here who would love to pray with you. Sign up for Make Waves. And uh, stay cool out there. It's kind of hot today. Be blessed. Online, stick with us. People will be there to talk with you. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Friends, as always, it is an incredible pleasure to worship with you on a Sunday. There are wonderful things that are happening in the life of the church on site. And it, as you've heard about them, make waves, the parade, yeah. the missionaries yeah. coming from Ukraine. I would encourage you that if you are a local, now is a great time to get involved. Join one of these events, either on a Sunday or throughout the week, as we get to know one another. And if you're like me, and you call the Valley Troy home, but you're not local, there's a few things you can do to stay connected as well. You can continue to like and share the content that you see on our Instagram, our Facebook, follow our podcast. You can also, right, serve your church. As I mentioned before service, right, we have chat hosts. 
We have people who participate in the digital world so that we can stay connected as well. And if that's something that interests you, you can always text me at 937-358-6565. Or you can email me, lindsay.murphy at thevalley.church. You should see those at the bottom of your screen. Friends, if you're new, remember, I want to connect with you. I want to get to know you. You can text NEW to 937-358-6565 and we can connect. Or just make yourself known right now in the comments and we can connect that way as well. Prayer. Prayer at the Valley Church is like breathing and we want to lift one another up in prayer. That's what we do here at the Valley. So you can either text PRAYER to that same number or you can put your prayer request right now in the comments. And our chat host will pray along with you in a private chat. And if you have praise reports today, we want to hear those too. What a wonderful way to worship our Lord by praising what he has done. And sometimes praising what he has done includes the things he didn't do that you realize you never wanted anyway, right? Well, friends, I know that life is complicated, but I hope for the last hour or so, this was a moment for you to take a deep breath in and realize that Jesus loves you, he cares about you, he chose you, and he wants the very best for you, your relationships, and your families. Have a blessed and fantastic week. for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.